Rattled and Shook is released weekly, every Thursday, and brought to you absolutely free. But if you want to listen ad-free, subscribe to Tenderfoot Plus at tenderfootplus.com or on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get exclusive bonus episodes. For more information, check out the show notes. Now, enjoy the episode. And now, presenting Rattled and Shook. Are we always going to do I'm April and I'm Meredith? Do you want to do one where we switch off? We can see how it feels. I like what it, but I'll I'll do it. Okay. Hi, I'm Meredith. And I'm April. No. Hi, I'm Meredith. Wait. Hi, I'm Meredith. Wait. I'm, I'm not sure what my <laughs> vibe is today. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Hi, I'm Meredith. And I'm April. And this is Rattled and Shook. A podcast where we play scary stories and discuss our deepest, darkest fears. But in a fun way. I had an existential crisis in the middle of the (laughs) intro. There's nothing like getting on mic and then thinking, why? Thanks for (laughs) listening. Thanks for listening to us. Great intro. Podcast commence. This next story is a true story told by the person who experienced it. And we think it will have you disconnecting your landlines. If you haven't already. I think I was 11 or 12. I was in junior high at the time. I have an older brother and it's brother and sister who are twins. It had to have been a weekend because we were all home. My folks had ended up taking my sister out to run errands. Normal Saturday, we were all just kind of lounging around. I know my older brother and my younger brother were in the living room watching TV. And I was in my room I was playing uh, Sega Genesis at the time, it was in the 90s. The phone from where my bedroom or in the living room is, basically, it's a halfway point from where my brothers were and where I was. It was in the kitchen. It was one of those old speaker phones. It had a speaker built into it. What would seem kind of retro now, like just an old phone. At some point, the phone rings. As a youngster, like there's sort of an eagerness to like, oh, somebody's calling. I'm gonna, I'm gonna answer the phone. I get up to go answer it, and I got to the kitchen, which again was a halfway point between where they were and I was. Picked up the phone, and first thing and only thing I heard was just some crazy maniacal laughter. I was like, okay, weird. It's somebody just messing with us said hello a couple times it's there's still somebody laughing and then I hung up the phone and went back to playing my video game and I didn't say anything to my brothers I just kind of you know just thought it was weird thought nothing of it went back to what I was doing I just kind of dismissed it felt like a couple minutes had passed like maybe like 10 or 15 minutes then the phone rings again I pause my game and I go to the kitchen and 
just a couple feet from approaching the phone, the speakerphone turns on by itself. That same laughter is on the speakerphone. That time my brothers had heard it. I think my younger brother walked up behind me. I pick up the receiver and hang it up and make sure the speakerphone's off. And I was like, all right, that's weird. My older brother didn't think anything of it. I go back to the room and I continue playing. The third time it rang, I exited my room as I approached the hallway. The laughter from the phone, it just went off like full on surround sound throughout the house. I kid you not, it, just, it stopped me in my tracks. Loud and you can feel it, almost thunderous throughout the whole house. At that point, my younger brother and my older brother walk up to me in the hallway and they look terrified. We didn't know like where it was coming from. My youngest brother was like to the point of tears, like, I don't know what's going on. This is really weird. We must have been there trying to like figure it out for about a minute before we were just like, let's get the heck out of this, this house. And so we all ran outside. We're running to the neighbor's house, knocking on the door till they answer, talking over each other, just frantically trying to explain what we experienced and heard. They seemed unaffected because they don't really know what we experienced. We waited on their porch until my folks got back and then they were wondering what was going on. We explained it. It almost felt like, like they didn't believe us because I don't recall them being like freaked out when we told them the story. You got your kids telling you, here's what we heard. And as parents, they're probably thinking, well, there's probably some logical explanation for that. Experiencing the laughter throughout the whole house is just truly hard to explain to somebody like how that would have possibly happened. There was never like an explanation or conclusion as to what that was. And then we just, we just kind of left it alone. At a later age, talking to my brothers, I was like, okay, we heard that. Like we collectively heard that. Like we have the same recollection of this. And they're like, oh yeah. My mom knew of the people who rented out to us. There was a woman named Martha. She saw some crazy stuff in the house herself. She had told my mom that overnight she woke up to her husband horizontal, like floating in the hallway or something like that. You know, you hear that, you're like, well, that doesn't sound real. What it felt like was dark. It seemed like just this evil laughter. I really don't know or have an idea of what that could have been. Ha 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 ha. Can you do a maniacal laugh? Oh. <laughs> that's pretty good maybe that's more like joker it's very contingent upon the visual <laughs> i can't do it without the visual try to maniacally laugh and don't move um i do it all the time my laugh is a maniacal laugh really i go like this I like all the laugh. time <laughs> oh right you you are 
<laughs> you have a diabolical laugh. You have oh, a diabolical okay. laugh. You're yeah. like a mad scientist. Yeah. I like it. I'll take it. I've got like a stifled giggle. You do. <laughs> it's like a very shy giggle. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's hee hee, but it's more like <laughs> hee hee, but my mouth's closed. A mature hee hee, yeah. Oh, have you ever seen someone laugh heartily with their mouth closed? It's terrifying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's something bad's going to happen. Yeah. You're right. That was not, I didn't like that. It's like your <laughs> diabolical laugh. I'd rather the one where you were about the to one take I over just the world. Now? Yeah. yeah. I love the uh, old school technology in this story. I love the mm-hmm. description of the phone with the speakerphone in it. Do you think it was the phone that was haunted or the house that was haunted? Mm. Well, I think right at the end, he made a case for the house being haunted. Yeah. I thought it was, I, I wasn't thinking that way at all. I was thinking there was somebody calling yeah. the house, terrorizing them. That's what I thought was happening. Even though I know he said the, the speakerphone like turned on by itself. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, well, and it, like, you're also young. Do you know how to use that thing? It resonating throughout the house as if it were surround sound. That sounds a little unreal. Yeah. I, he was very young. That would be quite scary, especially as a kid. When I was younger, I prank called a lot of people telling stupid jokes. Oh, no. Oh, my God. You're one of those. I love it. Yeah. What did you say? Not the refrigerator. Yeah. When... I was going to say, did you do that? But I things don't like think that. we ever did. It was things like that. I can't think of anything specific, but I definitely think the terms fart knocker <laughs> and butt munch ended no. up in those prank calls. I would have... This is saying so much about our childhoods. Those words would have never come out of my mouth. So uh, what would you say if you farted? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> I, so I think the scariest call I ever got was... Um, we're still on that? My little sister pranking me as the girl from the ring. That was probably it. Oh, yeah. That's good. Yeah. Do it. Seven days. Someone's going to hate us for that. London dropped its dignity. Yeah. So has France and Germany. Yeah. All hands are dancing to a raggedy melody full of originality. Sing it, folks. The world goes round to the sound of the international. 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 The international ride. And now a word from our sponsors. Do you ever wish you could become a detective and help find the clues to the case? How about all of that in a mobile game that you can take anywhere? In June's Journey, each scene leads to a new thrilling storyline. Uncover the mystery of June's sister's murder and find out about scandalous family secrets. The gameplay lets you find hidden clues as you investigate a murder mystery. Escape to a bygone age of mystery, danger, and romance. Let your imagination run wild when decorating your island estate and collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. Whether you're craving a good mystery or looking for an escape, you can immerse yourself in the world of June Parker. June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game with a captivating detective story taking you back to the glamour of the 1920s with a diverse cast of characters. Each new scene takes you further through a thrilling murder mystery story that sets the main protagonist, June Parker, on a quest to solve the murder of her sister and uncover her family's many secrets. I travel so much while working that I personally love to play it while sitting around airports with all that free time I have. 
Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. The Hargan women seem to have it all. From the outside looking in, we were blessed. My mom was amazing. But as detectives would soon learn, there was a lot going on inside the Hargan household. Ashley and I have been calling my mom and the house and Helen. No one's answering. 63-year-old Pamela Hargan gunned down in her own home. Her youngest daughter, Helen, lay dead upstairs. Patrol, when they arrived, assumed or thought that there might have been a murder-suicide. But for the detectives on the scene... There were things about the scene itself that were concerning to us on day one. Who would want to kill their mother and their little sister? There is no boogeyman here. It is exactly who we think it is. I'm Peter Vance Sat from 48 Hours. This is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings, wherever you get your podcasts. Before our next story, you might want to turn on your location sharing. I met a potential serial killer at his home for work. This is a long one, bear with me. Two years ago, I was working for a company as a person who measures houses. Most people haven't heard of it. It's where you essentially have an iPad and you go to people's homes and drop floor plans and measure rooms for carpet and hardwood flooring projects. Anyone can request one. I was 25 at the time, one of the few females that worked this position. And I was actually really good at the job, so they gave me a lot of work. I usually hit between 10 to 14 houses a day, driving all over multiple towns. This house was my last house of the day, in the middle of nowhere, and I was exhausted. When I got there, I was incredibly annoyed because this customer wasn't home and was late for his appointment. 10 minutes later, he pulls up next to my car. He was a middle-aged man, balding, wearing a normal office job attire with a tie and everything. He seemed a bit awkward, but was apologetic and let me into his home. Upon entering, the house was unbelievably spotless and organized. Minimal furniture and smelled like cleaning supplies. It didn't strike me as odd at first. He had two cats lounging in the living room. He first started acting weird as I was directed to the first bedroom. He mentioned, Wow, my cats love you. They don't take to strangers like this usually. But his cats literally didn't move or come near me the whole time. I just nodded and smiled while I got to work scaling out the master bedroom on my iPad. He started inquiring about the electronics I was using. Do they keep track of where you are on that thing? Immediate red flag. Yes, and my boss knows how long each job should take based on the scope of work. It's incredible technology. I lied without missing a beat. He agreed it was amazing. Be careful. Don't touch the gun on the nightstand. It might go off, he chuckled. Talk about immediate spine chill. I looked up from my iPad and sure enough, there was a handgun on the nightstand. I knew instantly that I needed to behave like nothing that was happening was triggering alarms for me. He directed me to the second bedroom and he said the exact same thing, warning me of a gun on the nightstand that was indeed there. This was the moment I knew I was in danger. At first, I thought it was just my anxiety around guns, but at this point, the tension building between us was undeniable. There were only two bedrooms on the scope of work. I hastily met up with him in the kitchen and began running down the next steps, but he interrupted me. Could you measure the basement stairs? 
I forgot to add them to the list, and I think I might want to carpet them in the future. My heart dropped, but my stupid customer service condition brain could not figure out how to get away with saying no. He led me to the basement door, and you guys, there is no way he was planning on doing anything with these stairs. They were plank wooden stairs, L-shaped, going down leading to an unfinished basement. Unfortunately, in order to get an accurate measure, I had to walk all the way down them to the basement. Meanwhile, he stood blocking the doorway with a smile on his face, mentioning again about whether or not my boss knew where I was, to which I shortly replied yes. Once I got to the basement, I scanned the room quickly. There was not one, but seven deep freezers lining the walls. In the middle of the room was a lit, low-hanging ceiling light, revealing an old television set, VHS tapes scattered on the floor, and an old recliner facing the TV. Behind the set, two white shelves full of VHS tapes. In this moment, I knew one of two things was going to happen. He was either going to let me go, or he was going to push me down the fucking stairs. I held my breath, put a smile on my face and attempt to act my way out of this situation, and began to climb the stairs. All I could hear was my heartbeat in my ears. He was still blocking the door, no smile this time. As I got to about the fifth stair from the top, I felt him hesitate, which made me hesitate as well. You could cut the tension with a knife, and I finally understood that expression. To my absolute shock and relief, after four seconds, he stepped aside. I made a beeline towards the front door, not saying a word when he stopped me again, saying, Oh, before you go, won't you give my cats a treat? They loved you so much. He was holding a bag of cat treats. I quickly gave his cats a treat, thanked him, and practically ran out of the house and definitely ran to my car. The second I got out of his driveway, I had the most intense panic attack and cried. I tried to call my boss, but I was in a dead zone. The truth of the matter is that my boss would not have noticed I was missing for at least 24 hours when I didn't route my day the next workday. Yes, he would have eventually been caught as it was my last known location, but I would have been long dead. I suffered PTSD over this experience and I couldn't sleep for a week. I was petrified to work my job, but had no choice. This day still haunts me. Yeah, I immediately like relate to the feeling in this story. And the mm -hmm. whole time I was like, all right, I can't wait to run scenarios with April. Like, what would you do? What would you do to get out of this? I think first instinct for most people would be like, okay, just act normally, do your job and get out. If he said the basement to me, I don't know, I would probably bullshit something. Like I don't have proper clearance to measure the basement. I wonder if I would be like, yes, absolutely. I can do that for you. Let me go grab it from my car. Yeah. I need to use a different tool to like measure depth or something. Mm -hmm. um, like, Or I need to go get something for my iPad. But yes, what kind of thing are you looking for? So that he would feel like, oh, she's coming back in. Because I would be afraid to say no and then have him like block the door. Mm -hmm. But I would be afraid to say yes and go down the basement at all. I Yeah. And it's very easy to say this when you're not in the situation. But I would try and not let someone be like after you go down my basement stairs and i'll follow you or i'll stay up here by the entrance That's <laughs> slash smart. exit like they should go ahead of me if i'm not feeling comfortable about entering if i have committed to entering the space yeah <laughs> that's a good tip i also think um 
where she says it was a dead zone, I feel like this would be great to flag in my mind. And anybody that does this kind of work, I think I would take note of when I'm going into a dead zone. Mm-hmm. And if you're a single female, I, I would probably be like, hey, I don't do work in a dead zone. Someone else has to do it. Yeah. Better yet, partners. That's a great idea. More so, what's this company? I, I want to speak to the manager. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you would have to have like hard boundaries as a woman going to strange people's houses. Oh, yeah, 100%. As a woman that's yeah. been to strange people's houses. Tell us about that. <laughs> oh, joy. I think most people that like I've interviewed for podcasts are lovely. Mm-hmm. And I've had incredible interactions. It's only a few times that I've been like very conscious of, huh, I don't really know this person, do I? Huh, I really am in their space. Hmm. Yeah. But I, I really do hold firm that I don't go alone. Like I really, buddy system. That's good. Is everything. Yeah. But what about you? Have you ever been in a <laughs> meta potential serial killer situation? No. So I've had a couple of weird Uber drivers and the whole play it cool, act unfazed tactic. I've done that in situations where I was just like, this person seems off and I kind of just have to meet them at their level or their energy. So you get really off too? Yeah. I just mimic them basically. This one guy was just like ranting. He was going on so many rants about like people and the world, some conspiracy theory stuff. And I was like, "Uh uh-huh, yeah, I'm with you. The lizard people, you know, like. (laughs) Yeah. They're like, oh, you get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and then it's just like, okay, bye. No, I totally relate to that. I've gotten like a few like weird Ubers, but I got one where it was the closest I felt like this might be the time. It was uh, very bad. It was heart pounding. Do you want to say it now? Yeah, I'll say it now. Okay. I'll say it now. I was taking an Uber from my friend's apartment back in New Orleans. This is back where I'm from. And it was around the holidays. I stayed pretty late because I don't get to see them that often. And so Mm. I really wanted to chat with her. But I wasn't worried about it because I didn't live all that far away. But I called an Uber and it was like, I think it was around two. And this was a pretty good pretty good uber i remember being like spacious back seat he's got the radio on all good and he was like hi and then got an uber and i kind of first realized he seemed to be like accelerating and stopping like he kind of had a strange driving pattern so it almost seemed like he didn't know how to use the gas and brake pedal correctly or something like he would like speed up and slow down to like just drive normally down a street where you just keep a normal steady pace it was like yeah "Mm, mm." But just enough where I didn't notice it at first. Then I was like, it's kind of driving a little strange, but whatever. And then I kind of noticed a little bit of side to side energy too. But I was looking at him and he didn't look like he was falling asleep at all. Like I didn't see any nodding. So I called someone. I actually do this if I was going to ride in a late night Uber anyway. I called someone almost immediately when I got in there and just got on the phone. So I was on the phone at this time. And to this day, I'm like, thank God I do that. I didn't actually say anything to the person on the phone that like indicated that I was afraid at the time because I didn't want to say anything out loud. It's not like necessarily perilous driving. He wasn't speeding. He didn't seem like he was going to hit anything. It was just, I remember being like, I don't think this guy's a great driver, but we're going along and I'm like, okay, it's like we're halfway there at this point. And then he turned into a gas station. He didn't say anything. He didn't say, I have to get gas or do you mind if we take a detour? He literally just turned into a gas station that was completely empty. There wasn't even anyone inside, like the little convenience thing. Like, it was definitely empty. And I was like, um, do you need to stop? 
And then he said, I just need to stretch my legs. And I was like, no. And like, I would have sympathy for someone that was like, look, I've been driving all night, whatever. But firstly, I don't think you should pick someone up if you're in this position. But he didn't offer that information up. I had to ask. And then I said, I'm sorry, I'd prefer if you didn't. And he just looked at me in the rear view mirror and said, okay, but if we run out of gas, you'll need to push the car. Literally, immediately, stories didn't line up. And I was like, "Uh, okay. And then he continued to drive. And I was just like heart in my throat the entire drive. I I don't know. Like I got home and it was really dark. And as soon as I closed the door, I was like, oh my God. That was terrifying as a female alone in a car with somebody. And I called Uber the next day. And I was Mm -hmm. like, I have never felt so unsafe. That's really scary because it's like he's not being forthcoming, you know? Yeah. And it's nighttime. There's no one around. And you've pulled into an abandoned gas station with the solo female passenger in your car. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't pull into right next to to fill up. He just pulled into the gas station parking lot area. And that's why I was like, what? And then when he said he needed to stretch his legs, I was like, I do not want him to get out of the car. Mm -hmm. Um, And said, I'd rather you didn't. And then he said that thing about gas. And Mm -hmm. I was like, that is not what your story was literally one second ago. Yeah. If your story keeps changing, you're lying. Yeah. And I'm telling you, I've been more anxious since. Yeah. And now, more words from our sponsors. Our next game involves something more terrifying than anything we've encountered so far. Time for ChatGPT Adventures. So, chat GPT, mm-hmm. what is it? Sentient life form. April doesn't love technology. I don't. It's going to replace us. So my brother who does like computer science um, described it like, well, one day the goal is like for us to become cats. Um, That's our goal? <laughs> um, I think it's the goal that has been set for us. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we'll become the humans in Wally. That's what I always picture. Just completely sedentary and unable to do anything for ourselves. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that tracks. I, I do joke a lot of the time that I'd love to be a cat. I'd like to be a human with the life of a cat, but I want to choose that for myself. <laughs> I don't want it to happen to me. <laughs> I get that. Okay, so we're going to experiment with chat GPT. And now I'm going to write, can you make us a scary choose your own adventure set in a haunted lighthouse in Maine? Of course. Please be warned that this story may contain elements of horror and suspense, so proceed at your own risk! Exclamation point. What is the MPA rating? I didn't ask. Look at this. It's right in a story. Oh my god! It's going so fast. Okay, here we go. A lighthouse in Maine. A choose-your-own-adventure adventure. You find yourself standing outside a lighthouse in Maine. 
It's getting dark, and you're not sure how you got here. The lighthouse looks old and abandoned, with the wind howling around it. You notice that the door is open, and you can hear strange noises coming from inside. Do you? A. Turn around and leave immediately. B. Investigate the noises coming from inside the lighthouse. All right, let's go. All right, B. You cautiously make your way into the lighthouse, following the noises. You climb up the stairs, and the noises get louder. You reach the top of the lighthouse, and you find yourself face to face with a ghostly figure. The figure looks angry and starts to move towards you. Do you, A, run down the stairs and out of the lighthouse, B, try to communicate with the ghostly figure? Let's try to communicate. All right. You try to communicate with the ghostly figure, but it doesn't seem to understand you. It continues to move towards you, and you can feel its anger growing. Suddenly, you remember a story you heard about the lighthouse. Legend has it that a lighthouse keeper died in the lighthouse many years ago and has been haunting it ever since. You decide to try to help the ghostly figure move on. Do you A, perform a ritual to help the ghostly figure move on? (laughs) B, search the lighthouse for clues about the lighthouse keeper's death? B? Yeah. Absolutely B. Well, that will help you perform a ritual, possibly. Yeah, what ritual am I going to perform? You need to get the history and everything. Yeah, definitely. All right, let's see if it gets weird about this. You search the lighthouse for clues about the lighthouse keeper's death, and you find a diary hidden away in a drawer. You read the diary and discover that the lighthouse keeper died in a terrible accident, and his ghost has been haunting the lighthouse ever since. You decide to honor the lighthouse keeper by leaving a message. In the book? Wait, what? I don't know. What, what do I do now? It's Wait, it did it give you an option? <laughs> Is that it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, weird. It said... I apologize for the abrupt ending. Here's the complete story with two more sections. Did you get what? All right, here we are. We're back to it. Chat GPT got off his lazy ass and finished the rest of the story. God, you want more? And people want this to run the world? (laughs) You decide to honor the lighthouse keeper by leaving a message. You find a piece of paper and a pen and write a note thanking the lighthouse keeper for his service and telling him that his memory will live on. As you turn to leave, you hear a whisper in your ear. Are you saying anything? I was saying the idea of words. I was saying the idea of... <laughs> yeah. You turn around, but nobody is there. You realize that the lighthouse keeper has heard your message and has moved on. So who was whispering in your ear? Was it him? Was he like... I'll see you later. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Love you. (laughs) As you leave the lighthouse, you hear a voice calling your name. I wish someone walked in. Go on, like (laughs) I wish someone walked in. You turn around and see the ghostly figure standing in front of you. I thought he left. Yeah. Well, you're supposed to move on. The figure tells you that you've disturbed the peace of the lighthouse and that you'll never leave alive. <gasps> Ungrateful piece Twist. of shit. You try to run, but the figure follows you. You're trapped and you feel its icy breath on your neck. The last thing you remember is the sound of its laughter as everything goes black. And then it says, I hope you enjoy the complete story. 
Remember, choose wisely or you may not make it out alive. But we never got to choose anymore. Like yeah. once it continued, right? We didn't choose yeah. beyond that point. I've got some notes. <laughs> so, uh, we got another irrational fear coming your way. I feel like sometimes I turn into a disc jockey from the 90s. I think so too. And I kind of <laughs> like it. Ami Maddle says, When I am next to a closed shower curtain, I picture a velociraptor raising it with her head and leaping at me, thanks to seeing the original Jurassic Park at an impressionable age. Okay, so this is referring to the scene at the very end when they're all trapped in the lobby area by velociraptors. Mm -hmm. Great but terrifying. Well, Ami, the kitchen scene in Jurassic Park was... It was very important to me and also terrified me. <laughs> it was very important to me. I feel like the thing that stuck out to me about or like that stuck with me from Jurassic Park is when Laura Dern, uh, the hand comes on her um, shoulder and she's like, <gasps> and then she's like, oh my God, thank God it's you. Mm -hmm. And then it's just a severed arm. Yeah. It kind of felt like a, a horror movie device within a movie that was like not yeah. that tone. You yeah. Know I, mean? I always feel like Jurassic Park's one of those interesting movies that- some people are very afraid of, much like Jaws, where they're more thrillers than horror, but yeah. there are very scarring images. Yeah. I used to impersonate a velociraptor when I was little. What do you mean? I, I need to understand more about this. I mean, I just assume the position of a velociraptor, curl my arms and hands, crouch down, okay, make some noises like the uh, stalk around. My mom would tell me to do it a lot. She thought it was funny. Like she'd make me do it for company when we had people over. And then I would hop up onto the couch. You know, the way the velociraptor hops yeah. onto the counter in the kitchen. I would like do that whole bit. My mom would make me play piano for people. Mm -hmm. But your mom would be like, look, my daughter is a velociraptor. <laughs> April, come here. <laughs> Jurassic Park was so many things to me. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, I think I know what you're going to say. Mini sexual awakening. Oh, yeah. Oh, Jeff yes. Goldblum? Absolutely. Are you kidding me? Steven Spielberg knew what he was doing. Jeff Goldblum is a treasure. And <laughs> when he explains chaos theory, mm -hmm. like on her hand, so good. Those glasses. Those glasses, that jacket. And also when he's injured and like lying on his side with his shirt half yes! open. And <laughs> I've always wanted that poster. Oh, we should both have that poster. <laughs> in, this, in this house, we love Jeff Goldblum. Mm -hmm. No matter what Terry says. Yeah. Sorry, Terry. Uh, next time, how about you let us know uh, your favorite Jeff Goldblum moment in any movie? How about that? How about that? On that note, bye, guys. Love you. You did this in the other story. I did. Rattled and Shook is a Tenderfoot TV production in partnership with Odyssey. Executive producers are Donald Albright and Payne Lindsay. Co-executive producer is Meredith Stedman. Hosted and produced by April Ruha and Meredith Stedman. Lead editor and sound designer is April Ruha. Additional production by Sean Nerney. Production management by Tracy Kaplan and Jordan Foxworthy. Original score by Makeup and Vanity Set. Original art by Puppy Teeth. Follow us on social media at Rattled and Shook. <laughs>